Well, good morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Cassie Brabs. I am the worship director here at Blue Ocean Faith. Uh, I come from a long line of musicians. So I descend from church musicians on my mom's side of the family and Russian circus musicians on my dad's side of the family. So if you put those two together, it explains a lot about who I am as a person. My, my mom tells me I was always singing or humming, humming a tune when I was little, and even to this day, I still pretty much always have some kind of song rolling around in my head. I loved singing along with my Whitney Houston tapes in my room as a kid. Like, I would just turn them on and pump them up full blast and sing for hours and hours, like, trying to just become Whitney Houston, right? But I also loved singing along with the Christian music that my parents gave me as a child. So Amy Grant and the Winans and the Jars of Clay, they became staples in my house and in my life. And then when I joined a small group in my early 20s, I was introduced to worship music, songs to Jesus instead of just songs about Jesus. And then my world opened up. So worship at that point became a place for me that I could go instead of just something I could do. It was almost like this secret magical place where I could go to just be with God and commune with him. So worship, especially music and especially singing for me, has always been that safe space for me to immediately connect with Jesus. Prayer is a great connection point as well to God, and I use it and I love it. But there's something just sort of special and magical about singing for me. Communicating with God through singing has always been just a little bit less stressful for me than trying to come up with the right words to pray at the right moment. So I love it. And with the first note of a song, it's like I can be immediately swept into the throne room of God's presence, and it's easier for me to stay there and remain in his presence. Now, worship obviously encompasses more than just music or more than just singing, but we're in the midst of a sermon series right now, Discovering Worship. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to explore this particular facet of worship, the one that involves music and especially singing. So the voice, the human voice, is the original musical instrument. Singing is universal and has always been across every culture in human history. The first utterances of songs are thought to be imitations of sounds that people would hear in nature, so like a bird singing or a baby crying. And this probably was the first step in the creation of human language as we know it today. At some point, though, singing became a part of religious and social rituals, and so singing was done together in communities. It's only been in the last 500 years that singing for performance has even been a thing. Before that, and still in most cultures, singing is done... Um, as a group effort. It's not for competition or performance. So there's a reason that American Idol is a relatively new phenomenon. (laughs) Singing was always a joyful experience of people who were in community with one another. Of course, you would have like more skilled singers and less skilled singers, and that was part of it, but there was little judgment of or emphasis on ability. Now, I personally think that this focus on an individualistic view of singing as performance has only made some of us feel self-conscious about singing in a group and less apt to want to join in. But think about how much fun it can be to sing together. Like, if you ever go to a Tigers game and you're singing, take me out to the ball game with all these strangers around you. Or if the song Sweet Caroline comes on in a group of people, right? Sweet Caroline. Right? So there's a reason for this, though. There are very real physiological benefits to group singing. Singing uses both sides of our brains, and singing in a group activates part of the frontal cortex that's responsible for your sense of belonging within a group. There's also evidence that when people sing together, it releases oxytocin, which is the hormone associated with social bonding, and it can lessen feelings of depression. Endorphins are also released when we sing together. That's similar to when we exercise. And cortisol, the stress hormone, is lowered. 
Now the great news is that whether or not you're good is irrelevant. There was a study in 2005 that found that singing in a group, quote, can produce satisfying and therapeutic sensations even when the sound produced by the vocal instrument is of mediocre quality. <laughs> And I think this is the icing on the cake. When groups of people sing together in this way, it's possible that their heartbeats actually synchronize with one another. There was a very small study done in 2013 that looked at a group of choral singers. And the researchers found that not only was singing in a group a form of guided breathing like yoga, which has obvious benefits, but that it didn't take long before the heartbeats of the singers fell into rhythm with one another to the tempo of the song. Now, really, as grown-ups, how many opportunities do we have to sing with each other like this? All three of my kids come home singing songs that they learn in school in their music class that they're singing with their classmates, but that tends to stop at some point unless we, as adults, intentionally seek out opportunities to keep on singing, like joining a choir, for example. I feel really lucky that our church is a place where we can enjoy some of the benefits that I mentioned of singing together. Songs also appear all throughout the Bible. So bursts of exuberance and joy or desperation and despair. Sometimes they're the first response to a major victory, like Deborah and Barak singing for joy after the victory over the Canaanites. Or other times they're a cry for help, like David hiding in fear for his life. This morning we're going to continue the theme that we've been going with in this sermon series, and we're going to look at the songs in Revelation chapters 4 and 5. So let's start with Revelation chapter 4, verse 6. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, this first song is a song to the creator God. He is at the center of everything. He never changes. And it never stops. If you notice, it says day and night, they never stop singing. So worship is always happening, even now. I envision worship existing like a stream. That stream is always there and it's always flowing. And how we relate to that stream is our choice. We can ignore it. We can watch it from a distance, either with interest or disinterest. We can stick a toe in, we can wade in, we can test the water sort of stepping in and out. We can like do a double dutch move like, I don't know if it's time yet. Or we can fully engulf ourselves in it. There's no wrong approach. I mean, I'm the worship leader, so I just like want to push you all into the stream, but I respect personal boundaries, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> the point is that worship is always there and it's always happening. And therefore, it's something to step into, to engage with, not something that we have to muster up within ourselves because it's already there and it's available for us to participate in at any time. Let's move on to verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now the second song moves from expressing adoration to God as the one who creates to praising him for what he has created. We started with four creatures singing in the first song, and now we have 24 elders singing in response to the worship of the four creatures. So it's possible that each elder represents a group of people rather than being individuals, but the point here is that the number of worshipers is increasing. Let's now skip to chapter 5, verse 6. 
Then I saw a lamb looking as if, if, as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. This third song is now to Jesus. Now the four creatures and the elders together are responding to Jesus' sacrifice and his mercy for us. The first line is the same in the second and the third songs, you are worthy. But now the theme of the song is about redemption, so it's shifting. It's now about what he did. And the number of worshipers continues to grow as they join forces and sing a new song together. Verse 11 then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So now our number of worshipers has gone from 28 entities and groups to 100 million angels surrounding those original 28 entities and praising God not only as creator, but also as redeemer. Verse 13, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This fifth song is extolling the creator and the lamb and everyone joins in all of heaven, all of earth, billions of living beings singing one song together. Verse 14, the four living creatures said, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Like, heck yeah, amen. <laughs> this thing started with four and ended up with every living creature everywhere worshiping God. Like, are you guys getting this? This is amazing. This is the ultimate picture of communal worship here. It can start with one, like those first utterances in human history, like the sounds from the first humans. And then it builds and builds and builds. As more and more voices join in, the praise becomes more difficult to contain. The old songs evolve and new songs emerge from the masses. It shifts. Everyone joins in, participates. It's like we can't help ourselves. I find this entire scene fascinating and exciting. It's like the fishes and the loaves or the yeast that works its way through the bread. Worship is more than multiplied, it's exponentially multiplied, many times over. But this requires our engagement. Group singing pulls us outside of ourselves. We're paying attention to what the music is doing and we're engaging with it. We hear and we sync with the voices around us. It connects us to each other. Worship also pulls us outside of ourselves and centers us on the one who sits on the throne. Worship connects us to God. We all can join in, take off our crowns, and say yes to the God who says yes to us. So when we worship together, it not only immediately connects us to Jesus, but also to each other, which is one of Blue Ocean's values. We desire connection to God, to ourselves, and to each other. And worship does that. It almost seems like we were created with this collaborative, communal approach to singing and worshiping in mind. 
as the worship leader here at Blue Ocean, it's not my job or my desire to sing for you or for myself for that matter. My favorite thing as a worship leader and the thing that makes this one of the most amazing groups I've ever been a part of is looking at all of you engaged with God while we worship together. I can see God's spirit moving when our hearts are fully engaged together and praising who he is and what he's done. I feel so lucky that I get to see worship from this vantage point. And I don't want to make anyone feel self-conscious, but it's incredibly moving and powerful to watch. So please, please keep singing. Now, at this point, some of you may be thinking, well, this is all really easy for you to say, Cassie. You've got circus musician blood coursing through your veins. You wanted to be Whitney Houston when you were little. But it's not super easy for me. So many of you know that my husband was diagnosed with cancer in 2008. At that time, I had two very young children, plus an additional brand new baby, and a husband who was in and out of the hospital. So I was anxious all the time. I was anxious about Phil being sick. I was anxious about the two of us practically living in the cancer center with our newborn. I was anxious about not seeing our other two kids very much. I was anxious about our finances, and I was generally anxious about our future. So basically, my internal alarm system got turned on, and it remained on. It was always in fight-or-flight mode, and my body never really figured out how to shut it down, even when Phil's treatments worked to beat back the cancer and our lives settled back down again. So as a result, my mind and my body still quickly escalate small issues into the danger category, and this has manifested itself in a social anxiety disorder. So standing up here in front every week isn't easy for me, as incredibly gracious and lovely as all of you are. I usually wake up on Sunday mornings feeling anxious, like I get a knot in my stomach. But once we all start singing and I step into that stream of worship, it just completely obliterates all of my anxiety. My worship is pure because I recognize my need for Jesus so much more acutely when I feel that powerless and afraid. Worship for me is understanding that no matter how I feel, no matter how insecure or exposed or uncomfortable, Jesus is on the throne. He is the center of everything. Everything is surrounding him in worship, just like that picture in Revelation. So in times of worship, I mentally orient myself towards Jesus, choose to believe in his grace and his mercy and his kindness, no matter how I feel, and then express my gratitude to him by lifting my voice, by uttering sounds, by opening my hands. And those are the things that get me into the stream of worship. So our friends Adie and Tom Wasink at our sister church in Iowa City came to Blue Ocean and they did an Emmanuel prayer uh, workshop for our church. Some of you may have been there. So the idea of Emmanuel prayer is just a way to engage with Jesus. And you start by thinking of a pleasant memory and imagining it in detail. I chose a time when my mom was playing the piano for my three siblings and I, and I was dancing and twirling around the living room with wild abandon, just spinning until I fell down and laughing until I was gasping for breath. This is the scene. Then we invite Jesus into the scene and into the memory. And so in that memory, I felt as though he was watching me be completely unselfconscious and delighting in my joy and my lack of poise and decorum in that moment. So I was caught up in this moment of exhilaration without consideration of how it looked to anyone else. And my, in my mind's eye, Jesus was really enjoying that part of me. I think that's where a lot of worship begins, in that place where we're willing to be vulnerable before God and ourselves and each other. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be spinning around and falling down. This is simply a metaphor. I'm just saying that I think we're the most beautiful to God and to each other when we aren't so hard on ourselves, when we can drop the I've got it all together facade, it's hard, but the connection's worth it. So where do we start? Let's talk about a common narrative. 
the I can't or I don't or I won't sing narrative. I'm here to say, sure you can. Even if you can't sing, you can sing. Buddy the Elf says, singing is just like talking, except longer and louder, and you move your voice up and down. <laughs> He's right. It's really that simple. No one is judging you. I guarantee it. They're all worried about you judging them, and I guarantee that none of you would do that, right? No one here is judging anyone else. So here are just a few pointers for letting go of some of that self-consciousness. Physical positioning is important for me. I actually prefer to be up front if I'm in a group worshiping because I can pretend that either A, I'm the only one in the room, or B, everyone behind me is as engaged in worship as I am and so I don't feel as self-conscious. I know that sounds weird. So for someone else, you may feel more free towards the back of the room where most of the people aren't looking at the back of your head. But we can't all be in the back row when we worship and we can't all be in the front row when we worship. So some more tips. Closing your eyes obviously will limit some of those distractions, but we do have lyrics on a sheet that we need to look at. So I just say, maybe hum along with the parts that you don't know, just hum the tune, and then sing out the words that you do know if you're closing your eyes. And same thing if your eyes are open. If you're not really comfortable singing, just try humming along. And then when you get to a part that you feel more comfortable with, then sing that part, just small steps. You could also try not singing for a phrase or two and just listen, really listen to the group singing because that'll give you a dopamine rush. That's those chills that go up and down your spine. That's dopamine. And that in turn makes me just want to jump back in because you guys sound good. If you already sing, but you still don't feel that sense of connection with each other or with God, you can try opening your hands. This is an ancient prayer practice. Stretching out your hands was a way to worship and ask God to bless you. So it's just a simple thing you can do with your body, like positioning, any kind of prayer positioning can help you connect a little bit more. And then finally, understand that this is a safe place. This is a safe place to try things, and it's a safe place to not be perfect. I'm personally grateful for all of you who make this a safe and loving place for me to come every week and to be imperfect. I'd love for Blue Ocean to be a place where, just like the scene in Revelation, voices are added to worship one by one, person by person, week by week, as we realize and begin to celebrate the absolute goodness of the God we are here to get to know. If you need to hang around the stream for a little while before you step in, by all means, take your time. But I'd love to see us gather around that stream together as a community and engage however we feel comfortable in worship together. So I wanna take a couple of minutes in quiet meditation. For the first minute, I'd like you to think about that stream of worship. Just envision it in your mind. Now this can be a literal stream, or it can be sound waves, or it can be moving colors, whatever it looks like to you. And I want you just to, for the first minute, envision yourself looking at that stream. Really put yourself there in the scene and think about how it looks, how it sounds, how it smells. Try to really engage your senses and take note of any feelings you have about that stream. I'll give you a prompt for the second minute and then I want you to imagine yourself engaging with the stream. Do you take one more step beyond your comfort zone? Do you jump in? Do you sit on the side and dangle your feet in? If you don't wanna participate in this exercise, feel free to just take a moment to rest your eyes and think happy thoughts, that's totally fine. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and look at my watch and close your eyes and just envision what that stream looks like.
Okay, you've imagined the stream of worship. Now imagine yourself engaging with the stream. What do you do and how do you feel? Jesus, thank you for this community and this safe place for us to be together and learn more about you. We're so grateful for your care for us, for the tools you've given us to connect with you and with each other. Help us to continue to learn to be more vulnerable and to have open hearts. We pray in your name. Amen.